This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. One man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Fellas, this is an episode that we've been talking about really since the middle of the season when some of our predictions were going horribly, horribly wrong. Some (laughs) of them inevitably went right, and we'll talk about those on another podcast. But as the second episode of season two of The Three Technique, we we had to to offer our apologies. We had to come hats in our hands um, on our proverbial knees and, and just asking for forgiveness from programs from some players and I, I think this will help us help us get right help help us feel kind of kind of level set even if you will heading into season two welcome everybody three tech pod here on spotify apple on youtube wherever you get your podcast we're there uh, we're at the intersection of the x's nose and the jimmies and the joes along with trey reeves garrett turney i'm mitch mason welcoming you to the college football offseason, we're going to make this as entertaining as we possibly can over the next, what, seven months. Um, Trey, you and, and Garrett both kind of had this idea to do the apology letters, and we've got truly like a letter format. You've also got a drop that you're going to play. I mean, th- this feels right, that we're kind of getting getting even with the college football universe, is it not? Oh, yeah. Fellas, we're, we're going to get apologetic today. <laughs> I don't want to be over dramatic, but this might be the most important show that we've ever done because, sure. you know, we, we don't want to be those guys that just feel like we're always right. We're not a manual Acho just going, throwing stuff out into the Twitter universe and seeing what sticks and never really reconciling with it. We're here for the freezing cold takes. And this is, uh, this is accountability hour guys. We, we need sure. to really make sure that we're being accountable and we're not just throwing stuff out there. So this is what that is. Yeah, and Trey, that's what makes us different from other podcasts and other sports shows, right? We're willing to own up to our mistakes, right? We're willing to say, you know what? I've made a mistake. I've assessed something incorrectly. And I'm not just going to be a hot take artist who, you know, moves on and goes on and does my own thing. You know, you mentioned Emmanuel Acho and his, you know, his Chargers thing and social media quarterback, like immediately. It makes me think of the whole, it's Emmanuel Acho time, you know? Yes. It's, it's not about us, right? It's not about us being right all the time. It's not about us always doing the right thing and, and, you know, making sure that we get a hundred percent and, you know, cover up our tracks. When we make mistakes, we're going to own it. We're going right. to own it on this show. And, you know, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. And, 
you know, these mistakes hurt people too. So we're going to, we're going to apologize and try to set things right with the college football world. Yeah. Some, please don't uh, send your bad bet slips. If you hit an over under because of us in August, yeah. like if you ran out and bet on that, <laughs> listen, that that's on you. We're, we're not going to own up to that. That's your financial. Right. Decision. Yeah. No financial advice here on the pod. <laughs> now in the no. past going forward, um, spend your own currency as you will. Um, guys. Yeah. Some of these, some of the whiffs that we had this year are are overwhelming, right? I mean, like, look, we've talked about it. TCU, none of us had mm-hmm. them making a bowl game. And despite getting blown out in the championship game, they had a chance to be crowned national champions. So, you know, some of those apologies we've really already talked about, we've really already made, you know, listen, Garrett and I have, have paid in blood uh, for our Utah playoff projections. This is correct. Uh, that went sideways in week one so yep there's, there's really not a reason to to retread some of that but we wanted to get really specific we wanted to write individual letters to programs to players etc and uh yeah just just come clean um heading into year two it feels like the right thing and, and guys i i feel like as as is my responsibility here i need to lead off with an apology to the pac-12 conference um Listen, I, I have to apologize to the entire conference for not believing in you that you had any backbone outside uh, the, the program of Utah. You know, I look back at the preseason predictions, had Utah going 12 and 0. That didn't happen. The next highest record I had was USC and Oregon at 9 and 3. And I, that, that's on me, right? That's on me for not believing to, to Utah specifically. I slandered your quarterback. I, I didn't believe in a first year head coach. To USC, even though I feel a little bit vindicated by the way that Cotton Bowl ended, I questioned your toughness. I questioned your pride. This isn't this isn't my platform to say, hey, look, I was actually kind of right the way you guys gave up that fifteen point lead. That's that's not the time and place. Right <laughs> hey, now, hey, Mitch, 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 hold on. This is an apology time. This is not you know, <laughs> no whatabouts. No, no, that's that's right. Yeah. That's right. That that's right. And 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 I apologize for not believing that you could slog your way through the Pac-12 conference schedule. I apologize for for saying that defense didn't have any clutch gene in them. It did a little bit, uh, and you had a chance to to win a Pac-12 title in year one. So, you know, to the big programs of the Pac-12, my apologies. I also apologize to Oregon State. I had them going five and seven this year. I was not cranking that chainsaw with them during the preseason, and Jonathan Smith made me a believer during the year. So, uh, to the Pac-12 overall. You know, I, I apologize. I have to commend you guys. I think you've risen above the ACC as far as a conference from a competition standpoint. And and gentlemen, dare I say it, um, I, I believe I've gone from from Pac-12 hater to maybe Pac-12 optimist with the way that Washington played. You know, Colorado. Who who knows what's going to happen with COVID? <laughs> but there's there's a lot of exciting things happening out there. Things that I did not give you credit for last season. And, uh, and certainly will make that good going into this season. Mitch, that was really big of you. Good job. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Yeah, and as we move into 2023, I think I mentioned this on the last show, I think we could see the Pac-12 renaissance next season with sure. a number of teams that are going to be yeah. great adjacent. I'll say it in that way. They, they might not be elite. They might not be, you know, full-on playoff contenders, but they're going to be great or right there adjacent to great. So Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Utah. Mm -hmm. What other conference can say they have five teams that have a legit shot outside of the SEC? I don't know that there's another conference that can say there's five teams 
Sure. I feel pretty good about being top 20 to top 15 caliber teams next year. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch too. I think it's going to be, you know, not just, Oh, well you're up late. So here's something to watch, but something to stay up for, you know, something to actually say, you know what, we need to need to push it back, put the pot of coffee on. Cause uh, you know, we need to make sure we catch Washington heading to Oregon state or something like that. You know, that's, that's going to be a good game next year. And, not one that I think most of us this year thought was going to be anything to talk about. So, yeah, cool for the yeah. Pac-12. The Insomniac specials are going to be oh yeah, right. lots of people joining in on that, on that experience next year. I'm going to roll right into my first apology here. And Mitch, you are a part of this one, my friend. So I'm going to I'm going to look at you as I apologize to Florida State, Mike Norvell and you, my friend, because mm-hmm. listen, going into this preseason, Florida State was down bad. And again, I said, now what about isms? I picked them to go five and seven and fired Mike Norvell this summer. I did not think that they were going to have a good positive experience in the ACC this year. I thought, you know, with the rise of Miami, with the rise of a couple other teams, that they might struggle to make a bowl game again. And I thought that that would lead to Mike Norvell getting fired. And boy, was I wrong. I even picked them to lose to Boston College. Yes, you did. But I apologize to the Knowles wholeheartedly, guys. Not only did they make a bowl, they won 10 games for the first time since 2016. They weathered a tough three-game losing streak right in the middle of the season. I Again, I, I doubled down on that. I thought that their season was going to be toast when they were sitting there at four and three. thought they'd still probably make a bowl, but it wouldn't be anything to write home about, and they might still have to make a tough decision about Mike Norvell. But, man, fast forward after that four and three start, they finish six straight wins, cap it off by beating Oklahoma in the cheese it bowl. They looked dare I say really, really good sure. during that. They, they didn't play a lot of close games down the stretch. Now it wasn't the best competition, but they didn't, they blew those teams out. They beat an LSU team at the beginning of the season that ended up in Atlanta for the sec championship. They knocked off Florida for the first time in forever. It feels like at the end of the season and Capped it off by beating Oklahoma, who, you know, we thought they would win by a little bit more. But they played a hard-fought game against a really talented Oklahoma Sooner team and uh, finished with 10 wins. So credit to Mike Norvell. All of a sudden, you're looking at them as, you know, I picked them at the bot towards the bottom of the ACC this past year. Next year, all of a sudden, they're one of my uh, dark horse picks to win the whole conference and maybe a dark horse pick for the playoff next year. They've got Jordan Travis coming back. Jared Verse coming back and surprising everybody by foregoing what probably would have been a first-round NFL draft pick for him. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be an exciting, exciting team in Tallahassee in 2023. Well, you know what? I, yeah, accept that apology wholeheartedly. <laughs> a warm, warm handshake through through the screen here. Um, I, I actually, you know what, appreciate you kind of being the Jim Cramer for our inverse Knowles fund, I mean, listen, Knowles coin <laughs> is going to the moon, baby. And and we we bought in on the bottom floor. I've been saying that Mike Norvell was going to be a hit there for three years. And just just patiently bought my time. You know, the, the, the economy dips. We buy a little bit more, right? And, and now we're just riding it to the moon. And I'll tell you what, boys, I haven't sold a single share yet. So, um, you know, welcome welcome to the bandwagon. I, I At the beginning... I, I was saying, you know what? The bandwagon has some seats right now, and I welcome you guys eventually whenever you want to make that decision. But that bandwagon's filling up, and and Trey, mm-hmm. it's 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 really cool to see you jump on board with me. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm excited to jump on board for 2023, man. It listen, they they could 
still crash and burn. Who knows? They it could. Might, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen in the ACC? Anytime Nothing's we try to forever. pick somebody outside of Clemson, it seems like that just doesn't materialize. But mm-hmm. if there's ever going to be one to put a little bit more confidence in, it seems like Florida State next year. Yeah, well, and Mitch, you know, it's really brave of you to keep hanging on to that Knowles coin. Um, but I do think it was a little bit more brave for Trey to offer that. I mean, just incredible apology there. And so brave. You know, it's so very brave. brave. I'm inspired. I hope to I hope to be as brave with my first apology. Um, and, and I'm gonna start with apologizing to Illinois. Look, I know that I was not alone in thinking that the Illini were gonna have, you know, kind of a disappointing season. I didn't think that they were gonna be remarkably competitive. So much so that, you know, if I'm going to be honest, I didn't really think about them too much in my preseason analysis. Mm -hmm. I kind of just said, well, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, you know, is Nebraska going to be interesting? Maybe, I don't know. Illinois, nah, don't worry about them. Cellar dweller, don't think about it. And, um, you know, I've I've had some time to think about it, and that that was wrong. I should have thought about them. I should have been a little bit more considerate. You know, to me, I just thought, you got a good running back, cool, but you play in the Big Ten, right? That's not going to fly. You have a good running back. These are some tough defenses out there. Wow, was I wrong about the impact just one running back can have on a team. Chase Brown amassed over 1,800 scrimmage yards and 13 total touchdowns this year on over 350 touches. Not only that, but Brett Belima's crew was the best scoring defense in the nation. 12.8 points per game against them came in at number one for the year. They didn't lose a game by double digits all year. Their worst loss was by nine points in their bowl game. Um, and that was on that weird sort of return for Mississippi State where they, you know, ended up kind of punctuating that. They could have gone down and it would have been a two-point loss or a three-point loss, rather. But they even held a game against Michigan to two points. Fact of the matter is, look, things are churning up there in Illinois. Um, and if they can get some pieces in place for next year's offense, you know, maybe find a way to be great on offense. Not even great, but just a little bit more competitive. I'm really excited to see where this team can go. So truly, to the Illinois fans, for the blatant disrespect I showed you in your program, I apologize. That is my fault, and I will not be overlooking you uh, next year. I, I, I think, Trey, I'll, I'll kick this to you. I, I co-signed that apology. It's not like we were high on them either. I, I was the highest of the show. I had them at three and nine. So, I had them at uh, yeah, two and ten. Yeah, I think I picked them for two wins as well. I had Raised them at my two, hand there. two and ten. And I had them fighting against Northwestern on the last week of the season between those two teams to see who could get their first Big Ten win of the year. So, yeah, I'll co-sign that as well. We should all be apologizing. We'll just add it up to the list. TCU, Kansas, and Illinois. I guess that's our top three. Everybody needs to join in on the apology. Well, and, you know, for Illinois, Garrett, like you said, they're, they're a couple pieces away, and it feels like, hey, Burt Ball could get churning out there in the West. They just got Luke Altmaier to transfer over there from Ole Miss. So, it's a big deal. Yeah, feels like they've got QB1. Now Chase Brown will go to the NFL draft. They're going to mm-hmm. have to replace over 50% of, of their workforce on the offense. But um, I do like well, I mean, where that is trending. Honestly, if you're a transfer running back, why would you not want to go to Illinois at this point and see you know, the usage that he got? Wasn't he getting like something like 50% of their touches or something like that midpoint during the season? 53% at his highest usage rate, which is yeah. unreal. I mean, that's just insane. So if you're a running back and you want to put you know film on tape for draft scouts, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you want to go to Illinois. You want to give him a chance to see 
you know, what you can do. So I think they might not be, you know, done. Maybe it's not this transfer window, but, you know, you could see that second transfer window open up after spring ball, maybe some upset feelings over situations. And all of a sudden you could see Illinois coming back to maybe try to reign supreme on that shadow realm. Sure. Uh, really, really exciting. Honestly, we might owe the entire shadow realm an apology for, uh, picking teams above the other when clearly this is a communist society and everyone is equal. True. It's um, very true. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's on us for, for not recognizing, uh, you know, the, the sickle and hammer that might be hidden in everybody's logo out there in the big 10 West. Um, but very, very entertaining. No doubt about it. For sure. Trey, if you will go ahead and, and hit that drop, this, this next apology goes out to the first team that I previewed in 2022. Yeah, guys, I, I just have to get really, really somber when I think about the injustice um, that I committed against the Syracuse Orange. I previewed them off the top of our preview show when we started with the ACC, and I told you that the Orange had no chance this season. I told you that Dino Bavers, very similarly to Trey, would be looking for work elsewhere uh, coming into this uh, this 2023 season. I never anticipated asking the question, is Syracuse good? And yet we asked that, I think starting in week three, they bludgeoned Louisville to start off the season, kind of got everybody's attention and then guys they traipsed out to a 6-0 and run that was just magical before they ran into Clemson and then I don't know if you'd call it the buzzsaw of a conference schedule but they lost their next five games plus the bowl game so they do finish seven and six but guys anytime you're plus five in in the win category from from where I had them preseason I mean hearty round of applause to Dino Babers tell you what he got that defense to stand on their head they were doing some special things in the carrier dome that will be what it's called forever and always uh, if you ask me now I will say maybe it's a good thing Robert and I is leaving for NC State he'll be the offensive coordinator in conference it felt like when the wheels fell off you stopped going to Sean Tucker and we stopped using your best player in the passing game in the running game against Clemson he had like five touches which was just inexcusable. But overall, I mean, truly hand over heart, hat in my hand here, apologizing to the Syracuse Orange, one of the most entertaining teams of the first half, three quarters of the season. You made it to the postseason. And guys, there's some positive outlooks going into 2023 in conference. So to the Orange, to their wild and wacky fans up there in the greater uh, upstate New York area, my, my sincerest apologies, guys. And even those losses that they had down the stretch, so many of them were right there for the taking. And you could have been looking at maybe a, I think they finished with what, seven wins, eight wins? Yeah, counting seven the bowl. six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, you could have easily had eight or nine wins at the end of the season for Syracuse, including beating Clemson and Death Valley. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think I was right there with you. This is another one, just like Illinois, that I was not expecting big things from Syracuse this year. Looked at the home road splits. They had a tough tough for them non-conference schedule credit to them Dino Babers really pulled one out of his hat this year 
Yeah, and I mean, between Illinois and Syracuse, you know, and you can even think about teams like Clemson. We didn't do so good on teams wearing orange. You know, we no. we, we kind of struggled with a couple of those teams, and, you know, I, I don't think that we maybe assessed those teams the best that we could. Yeah, I've, I've got another orange team later, but I'm going to go to one of Garrett's darlings next. I, I apologize to one of Mitch's darlings. Garrett, now I turn my attention to you, my friend. I need to apologize to Mike Elko and the Duke Blue Devils. And look, I should have seen this coming because I love Mike Elko as a coach. Probably one of my top five favorite coaches in college football, just from a scheme standpoint and what he does and what he adds to a program. Man, was I not expecting them to be very good in 2022 in his first year. I'm just going to read you guys what I wrote preseason for Duke. And this is from our floor ceiling segment. They had an over under of three and a half wins, if you recall. And this is what yours truly wrote about the Duke Blue Devils. Not the toughest out-of-conference schedule in the world, but with so many questions, it's hard to feel 100% confident in any game other than North Carolina A&T. That non-conference schedule was Northwestern, Temple, NCA and t and Kansas. And I was saying I didn't feel confident about any of those outside of A&T. Um, continuing on, I said the true floor is 1-11 with A&T being their only win. They could also go 4-0 in non-conference if the QB is ready to go, and stealing one ACC game is probably the ceiling at 5-7. and seven. Mm. I think they'll look much improved. Way to shut me up, guys. That, that was uh, just a complete <laughs> whiff of a take. They ended up going 3-1 and one in non-conference. They started 4-3, and three, and they had a couple of head-scratching losses. I'll say they definitely could have beaten Kansas. Definitely, definitely could have beaten Georgia Tech. I think that one went to overtime, had a couple missed field goals, but they end the season five and one, go nine and four, win a bowl game against UCF, and arguably, I would say probably a top five year in program history in year one for Mike Elko because nine win seasons do not come around very often, at least historically in Raleigh Durham. I think as we look to the future, you're going to be expecting those nine win seasons a lot more often. Riley Leonard looks awesome. Mike Elko's defense way ahead of schedule and his scheme is just tearing through the ACC. Their defense looked awesome, even though they were out athlete a lot, athleted a lot this year. Guys, the future's bright in Raleigh Durham and Garrett credit to you for seeing that and for, you know, at least providing some optimism on this show for Duke in, in the preseason, because it certainly, certainly wasn't coming from me. Well, I mean, hey, look, I thought Mike Elko was a fantastic coach when he went out there. I thought that he was going to be able to kind of steal some games schematically defensively. You know, I thought he'd just be able to kind of find a way to suppress some scoring and, you know, maybe steal a game from some more talented teams. But, yeah, they absolutely ex exceeded even my expectations. I think I picked him to go maybe six and six for the season, which I think was extremely optimistic. That, even that would have been a huge, huge year one. Right, yeah, and I think that was probably better than most people picked him to go. And, you know, for them to win, you know, nine, and, you know, it wasn't even just what happened on defense. I mean, Riley Leonard looked fantastic, especially towards the end of the season and, you know, what he was able to bring there. I think that, you know, Duke could be on the way up, and they might, you know, be a little bit of a dark horse in the ACC if they can keep it up with the transfers. Just because, I mean, you know, nobody really wowed us this year in the ACC. I know we've talked about Florida State maybe being a little bit more competitive, but, you know, why not Duke? Why not, you know, get a couple transfers in there, get a little bit more talent on defense, maybe get a couple guys to to come in and play offense with Riley Leonard. I I think that the future could be pretty bright, and not even just the, the distant future. I think 
even 23 and 24 could be really good years for the Blue Devils. Well, love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I know we're really excited to to watch Duke going forward into next season. Uh, I think that their, their ceiling is going to be something that we debate, wonder about in this offseason. They got a great recruiting class coming in as well, so they're going to have some talented freshmen. Garrett, I, I got to think that kind of makes you feel really good, really warm and fuzzy inside. I hate to crash the party, though. You you are up for your next apology. Yeah, and for this one, this is probably the biggest egg-on-my-face apology that I have. So I'm just going to get this one out of the way. This apology goes out to Caleb Williams. So if you've been listening to the show, if you've been around for a little bit, you will recall in one of our off-season episodes, we were talking about quarterbacks and players that we thought had chances to be good, bad, and the rest. And I said that, you know, there's there's this phenomenon that happens where, you know, some quarterbacks come in after having a good season or being, you know, highly heralded in the offseason, and they just don't show up. They don't have what it takes mentally. They don't have it, you know, all together up here. It could be a transfer situation. And I said that I thought that Caleb Williams was a prime candidate for that. And I said that he was probably the guy that I would pick to do that this year more than most. I mentioned Spencer Rattler, right, as the guy who had done that the previous year and and thought, you know, okay, so they're both OU guys transferring to different locations. Um, And and I thought that that was the case. I could have said DJU. I could have said Devin Leary. I could have said Anthony Richardson. I could have said Will Levis. I could have said any number of guys who are highly heralded coming into the season. And instead, I chose a quarterback who completed 67% of his passes for a cool 4,500 yards passing and a measly 52 total touchdowns. Um, you know, just small numbers. Oh, yeah, he also won the Heisman. Yeah, I was going to say, um, he has little, a little statue at his house now, too. Yeah, he's got a little little trophy. He's going to be in those Heisman house commercials now. Um, look, end of the year, there's nothing else I can really say about this one. I do stand behind the fact that that does happen, that quarterbacks will disappear one season to the next, but I cannot stand behind the fact that that's Caleb Williams, clearly. Um, and and I, I was completely wrong on this one. I've never been more wrong about a player, maybe ever in my life. Um, and so for that, Caleb, I am very sorry. You are him. I am not him. So, yeah, apologies, my guy. <laughs> Trey, you and I saw him in person at the Cotton Bowl. And he, I think I mentioned this to you, he might be the most impressive college quarterback certainly that I've ever seen in person and I've seen a couple of good ones uh, that have won Heisman trophies in person but that was my first time watching USC in person watching Caleb Williams spin it that guy is going to be special I think at the NFL level and it was it was amazing to watch in person it's just different than watching it through kind of that high home camera on TV you really you really do not get the full picture when you're watching at home on TV. Caleb Williams on a TV screen, it doesn't do him justice. Like watching him in person, again, first time I've seen him in person as well. And our our jaws were just literally on the floor with some of the throws that he was making. Um, I, I think of one, one in particular, the one that they initially called not a touchdown, but he was running to his offside and then dropped it in the corner of the, right on the pylon, made, let his receiver make a play, just – he does that routinely on every single Saturday. He is making throws, might make a footwork specialist just really cringe watching how he throws off body, but <laughs> he has the arm strength to make it work, and he has the arm strength to drop it on a dime even when he's rolling away from the play. So 
yeah, just incredible. Can't say enough good things about him. He's locked and loaded at the number one pick in 2024. Yeah. Well, and to your point, I mean, if he ever gets the footwork right, I mean, think about how special he could be if he fine tunes. I mean, he won the Heisman in a year where you like, that's yeah, well, he doesn't even need to. Yeah. But I'm yeah. saying if he could find a way to kind of refine some of those skills, I mean, we could be talking about one of the better ones we've seen in college and then going into the pros, he could be, you know, kind of a plug into whatever NFL system he gets into and immediately make them competitive. I mean, he's, he's very, very talented. I never doubted the talent. I just didn't think that he was going to have it together in here. And boy, was I wrong. He's so talented already. So coveted at the NFL level that they are talking about teams tanking uh, for 2024. We haven't even had this draft class dispersed right I mean they are literally talking about it's it's the Chicago Bears that have the number one pick the Houston Texans at number two they are talking about both of those teams potentially taking someone other than a quarterback tanking again and then going and getting Caleb Williams to be QB1 I mean that is that's an immense level of respect uh and and yeah Garrett to your point he really did Wow, I think USC as a whole answered some of those questions about can you plug and play? Can you be elite or if if not elite, then very, very good, maybe even great. Um, and, you know, just came a little bit shy of a Pac-12 championship game, obviously came just shy of a Cotton Bowl championship as well. But I think USC answered a lot of questions. I think they're headed in the right direction. And, and so, too, is this program. My final apology, guys. Um, Trey, like you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read just a, a light dusting for my 2022 preview for this team. Quote, maybe I'm being harsh on Tulane after their worst campaign in years in 2021. Michael Pratt is back at QB, but they need proven skill position players and are tire- entirely rebuilding the offensive line. Combine a lot of incoming transfers with a tough schedule where you catch UCF, Cincy, and Houston plus Kansas State and Southern Miss in non-conference. We'll see you in 2023, end quote. Ooh. We absolutely will see the Tulane Green Wave in 2023 because, fellas, they roared through that schedule. They win the American Conference. They earn a bid to the Cotton Bowl. And then, gosh darn it, they went and won it over USC. Not only did Tulane have the biggest rebuild from one season to the next in college football history. That was the first time that a 2-10 and ten team had flipped their schedule around, flipped their, their season record around, and won a New Year's Six Bowl game in this crazy sports history. They also retain Willie Fritz, the head coach, who was going to Georgia Tech. I don't know that we really talked about that on this podcast, but that was all but a done deal. He was ready to leave for Atlanta but he wanted to coach the Cotton Bowl and Georgia Tech would not allow him to finish the season with Tulane. And so he said, guys, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to pass. There's no way I'm skipping this Cotton Bowl, not finishing this season with this team. And listen, Brent Key, I think, has a bright future at Georgia Tech. I know we're all kind of hopeful that Georgia Tech turns things around. But what a win for Willie Fritz, who gets an extension with Tulane. Georgia Tech, uh, you know, kind of looks like a misstep. Not just, hey, if he was if he was your guy, if he was your number one guy, just just let him coach the Cotton Bowl. They go and win that. They're headed into 2023 with a different look. They're going to lose to Jay Spears, who's going to the NFL. But I apologize, guys. I mean, to to Green Wave Nation, I I did not expect 
Fritz, Spears, eight other all-conference players who just had that best season in program history to wind up celebrating on the field in Dallas. It was it was truly incredible. And and Trey, you and I noticed um, the Cotton Bowl staff did not expect Tulane to be celebrating. (laughs) They were covering up USC logos on all the celebration memorabilia on the backdrop for the broadcast for the trophy presentation. So I think just collectively as a football universe, we owe Tulane a a heartfelt apology. And you know, question for you guys: This is kind of off the off the cuff here, but. If you're Willie Fritz in the new dynamic of college football with the new American and just what the auto bids are going to be like in this 12-team playoff, would you rather be at Tulane or Georgia Tech? I'd rather be at Tulane. That's I a mean, tough question for me. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think that's an easy one. I think I'd rather be at Tulane because then you're not directly competing against Georgia in-state. I mean, that, that's a massive dynamic to it is the fact that you want to get any players in your own state. If you're at Georgia Tech, you have to compete against the Georgia Bulldogs, who don't look like they're stopping anytime soon. And for Tulane, I mean, you have a pretty clear shot. I mean, you know, like you were saying, New American, you're going to get some of these other teams that are seemingly roadblocks out of the way. I don't know. I think I'd probably rather be at Tulane, say, make a commitment to the program. Let's invest some money. Let's get some, you know, nicer facilities, like do whatever we got to do to make this thing nice and then just hit the transfer portal, right? Let's get some guys coming out of some bigger programs that want to come play for a. For a conference champ, I mean, they they beat Kansas State during the year. So, I mean, does this prove that the Americans a better conference than the Big 12? I don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, I don't but know about that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that the Big 12's champion wasn't good enough to beat the Americans' champion. That's all we can say at this at this point in time. So, no, I don't know. But, but honestly, like, I, I think you'd rather be at Tulane at this point to say, you know, you have a maybe a more direct shot given conference champions and whatever else and you know auto bids and things like that with the new playoff could it could definitely be an easier path to the playoff or at least securing being in contention to secure that auto bid i'll tell you what if if they continue to create a culture around the football program and those fans keep showing up like they did i mean it felt like bourbon street traveled and those two lane fans were loud in that stadium to the point where even when usc was winning you saw the tulane green wave fans getting way more hype way louder than usc now maybe maybe some libations were flowing a little bit earlier for the nola crowd i I don't know um it was an early morning for us getting over there but uh, i do really like the direction that tulane is is headed i think you're right garrett i think it's a a much straighter shot to a playoff berth now georgia tech We'll see. I would love to see them be competitive in the ACC. Having Georgia as your season finale, though, every single year. It's a tough one. That's tough. That's, you know, for the next two decades could could be just an auto L. Um, so, but anyway, not to not to get off topic. Tulane, congratulations on the season. I'm, I'm sorry for doubting you guys and, and just writing off. 2022 was a magical season. Yeah, and look, we might all three – really need to apologize to Tulane because I don't think any of us had them uh, doing it as well as they did. I think most of us probably thought that they weren't going to make a bowl either. Speaking of orange teams, though, Garrett, you mentioned that we were struggling to predict orange teams this year, and I'm going to continue that narrative. I'm going to complete the trifecta of apologizing to an orange team. I need to apologize to the Tennessee Volunteers. And you know what? I'm even going to do the drop one more time.
we'll fade it out right there. But I need to apologize to Tennessee because going into the season, I really thought that that defense was going to limit their ability to have a high ceiling in the SEC. I had them going seven and five, largely because of the defense. And look, did the defense limit their ceiling? Absolutely. But maybe this apology is really geared towards Hinton Hooker because he carried that team to a magical season. Hinton Hooker in that offense just absolutely torched almost every team that they played. And look, at the beginning of this year, I thought that Tennessee fans would be asking some questions at the end of 2022 going into 23. I thought those questions would be like, did we hire the right coach? Is Are we heading in the right direction after another 7-5 and five season? But the question they're instead asking are, what could have been if we did beat South Carolina? And what and can we make the playoff in 2023 with Joe Milton as a quarterback? So Tennessee just absolutely exceeded my, any expectation, any thought of a ceiling that I possibly could have thought they had. I had them maybe fifth in the SEC East at the beginning of the year. I thought there was a conceivable argument. I definitely thought Kentucky was number two. I thought that you know, Florida had a lot of talent. I thought Anthony Richardson, if he could improve that they might be a problem for Tennessee. I even thought South Carolina might be a huge problem for Tennessee and South Carolina, you know, did end up being a problem for Tennessee, but everybody else outside of Georgia ran into Knoxville and came out with a fat L. So I'm just ecstatic about the future of Tennessee. I think, you know, I hate the saying that college football is better when this team is good, but Man, it was fun having a relevant Tennessee this year. Man, was it fun getting that all-timer of a game, an all-timer of a celebration when they knock off Alabama. Yeah, so Tennessee, if there's any room on the Vol bandwagon, if there's any room in the Vol Navy, I think you're going to be pretty dang good again next year. Maybe knocking on the door of a playoff appearance. It's going to be tough having a roadblock of Georgia in your division every single year, but as the SEC moves to 16 teams, as we kind of re-navigate the schedule, I think there's a lot of pieces in place for Tennessee to be extremely relevant for the time being. Yeah, and it only takes one week, right? It only takes one week of them being good to knock off a of Georgia, right? Georgia's not invincible by any means. They're certainly one of the best programs in college football, but they're not invincible. You know, you get a good enough offense that can really score some points. I mean, they already showed you what you could do. I mean, they beat a very, very good Alabama team at home. What might have happened if they played Georgia at home? I mean, I don't know for sure. Georgia obviously looked way better than them in Georgia, but you know, it could have been different if they played them in Tennessee. So, you know, I think, yeah, I think you're probably right. The future is very bright for Tennessee. And, you know, like you were saying with the, you know, reconfiguring the the divisions and if it's pods or if it's just auto bids or whatever it looks like in the sec, I certainly think they're going to be, you know, in one of the best positions of any of the teams to continually have success and end up making it into the playoffs at, at some point, maybe not 23, but you know, at some point in the next couple of years, it's hard to imagine they don't make it. In, in a very related note, I think we also might have to staple on an apology to Kentucky fans for giving you false hope because holy cow. Yeah. Well, the list of false hope is very long. I didn't even touch that apology. We, we all had them going 10 and two and, my heavens. I mean, I, I don't know what level of offense we really expected from Kentucky, but better than what we got. That but, but, that right now. Yeah, whatever whatever you call that result on the field uh, for 12 weeks out of this year was my goodness. So, yeah, may, maybe 
I, I don't know if you guys want to co-sign that. I feel like I have to apologize to to Bluegrass Nation for for getting that so incredibly wrong. <laughs> See, I'll agree with you on that, but typically teams that are quarterbacked by projected first round quarterbacks um, and have good defensive units, typically those teams do well. So I just I, I I'm willing to apologize to Kentucky, but I think that the main apology should be made. Sorry that Will Levis was your quarterback, but. Has, has anyone accused Mel Kuyper Jr. of actually knowing what he's talking about, or is that just something we all... I've never about? accused him of such yeah. a thing. Yeah. So my my last apology, and the one that will wrap us up today, this is going out to a group of fans, but specifically one fan of the show. Joe, I'm talking to you. Um, I have to apologize to all of the Ohio State fans that are out there. Now, yes, I know that I picked them to win it all in the preseason. I truly thought going into this year, the Buckeyes were the best team, that they were going to just run their way through everybody. New defensive coordinator was going to fix those problems, and it wasn't going to be a problem for them. Uh, I I thought they were going to coast, and they almost did too. Um, But after they started the season with some concerning defensive efforts, they had some inferior competition where they gave up some points, and you know C.J. Stroud was looking a little bit bad when he got pressured. You know, I sat there and I started to think that they were on a crash course to getting exposed, not a championship. I thought, wow, here it comes. They're going to get exposed. They're going to look bad. They're going to drop a game to a team that they don't deserve to. Now, I still maintain that they should have played better against Northwestern. I don't care that the weather was crazy. It's just Northwestern was worse. Okay, Northwestern was worse than the weather was. They should have beaten them by more. But especially after losing to Michigan, I thought I was vindicated on that one. I thought, okay, great. This is what I was you know, saying that they're this kind of team. And if you pressure CJ Stroud, he's no good and all that stuff. <clears throat> and they came one point short of knocking off Georgia and probably beating TCU. I think sure. if they had played that game, they probably would have beaten them in the national championship game. And they would have held the trophy like I predicted in the preseason. So I still think that Ohio State's going to have to earn their praise every year. I'm not a big fan of just saying, well, because you've been good, I'm going to give you your praise. I still think they have to earn it. I still think that you have to hold them to a higher standard than other teams. But to Joe and to everyone else who noticed that I was disrespecting the Buckeyes, <laughs> I apologize to you. I apologize. I expect I expect Ohio State to find a way to almost win it all next season too. Oh, wow. Garrett, that's very big of you as a Michigan yeah. super fan. You, you being, you well, know. Well, we know me. <laughs> you, I am a Michigan super fan. You carry so much water for Michigan. That's huge of you. I do. Um, I do. Gentlemen, CJ Stroud has not declared for the NFL draft. Yet. No. <clears throat> and that was a big That was a big factor whenever I was talking about teams we were doing our rankings for the last episode. I said, I don't really know who Ohio State's quarterback is going to be next year. If right. it's CJ Stroud, then I, I I don't know what happened in that month break that they took from losing to Michigan to playing Georgia. But something changed with yeah. his, you know, whatever he was doing, if it was coaching, if it was understanding their scheme, whatever it was, something changed because Georgia threw everything at him. He had no problem moving out of the pocket, you know, delivering accurate balls downfield. You know, there's a lot of people who think that if Marvin Harrison had finished that game that they would have ended up winning. Mm-hmm. I, I think you might have a good point. Um, but regardless, I, I think that that's a, that's a very good team. And if they are quarterback by Stroud, I mean – do they become your favorite next year if they got Stroud at quarterback? Well, people people are talking, and there's there's a lot of rumblings that the NIL collectives in Columbus are working overtime, and it would be yep. it would be just absolutely fascinating to see someone turn down 
guaranteed top five NFL draft pick. I think that's such a sign that we are in a whole new paradigm of college football. If people are willing to turn down a top five NFL draft pick and, you know, every, all the salary that comes with that. I don't know. I don't know if they're the proverbial favorite if CJ Stroud comes back, but they're definitely at worst number two in my mind. I think the only team you could make an argument above them is Georgia, maybe Michigan. I know Michigan's beaten them the last two years, but I think that you still, at least on paper, feel like Ohio State should have a good chance against Michigan if CJ Stroud comes back. Do you think they could get Stroud 13 million though? Like, do you think, cause that's apparently the going rate for good quarterbacks. <laughs> oh. So like, do you think they could find 13 million for CJ Stroud or. I can't believe. Yeah. If you're, if, if you're wondering what that's in reference to the Jaden Rashada drama, head over to our Twitter. We've been tweeting out all the news that's come out with that. I, I don't know. There's, there's still a couple of questions for me about what George is going to look like going into next year. And, yeah, quarterback is one of them. What do you get out of Carson Beck? I think it is mind-blowing that C.J. Stroud is even pondering this. And in the money that is being moved behind the scenes to keep C.J. from just autumn, as soon as he got out of uh, the, the Sugar Bowl, or the Peach Bowl, I'm sorry, from declaring for the draft, must just be insane. Because you're right, he's, he's probably going to go number two or number three if he does declare and get all kinds of money from being that first round draft pick, a top five draft pick. It's north of $30 million. Number two at the lowest, I would think. Unless, yeah. unless the Texans and Bears really are tanking for uh, Caleb Williams. Williams. Like, mm-hmm. got to think he doesn't get past the Texans. His absolute lowest would have to be four if the top two teams don't take quarterbacks. Right. Yeah. And then maybe team number three just falls in love with Bryce and that's it, right? Like, I I I just can't imagine a way that he slips outside the top five. And I don't know. I'm not an expert on draft stuff, but I don't know what those signing bonuses are for those top couple slots. But if there's like a, Large. well, maybe you can get more money if you're next year and you're in the second slot instead of this year in the fourth slot. Like, I don't know what the difference is in that cash that makes that a smart financial decision for him. But they have to have a serious NIL collective effort. Uh, to to get him to drop a signing bonus from, you know, because because I'm thinking, I mean, what even is the difference between one and five? Because that's the number difference that you would be giving up if you were going to, you know, it, at the worst, he'd be number five. So what's the difference even there that you'd have to find as an NIL collective? Not not a lot. I just pulled it up. The total evaluation for the number one pick currently held by the Chicago Bears is $41 million. It is a $27 million signing bonus. Yeah. So we are talking astronomical figures uh, when it comes to, I mean, just money in general, but for a collective having to raise anywhere close to that for one year, for one season, it's, it's mind blowing. But, but again, like Trey said, as we record this on January 15th, he hadn't declared for the draft. So it will be interesting to see. There is a little bit of a trend starting to emerge of, of players coming back for another year. Jared Verse is the most famous. He's probably is going to be a top 20 pick at Florida State. Um, and, and now he's heading back for one more year in Tallahassee. Yeah. Michigan started a collective where a specific collective for players to come back for one more year. I think the collective is called one more year. And in their advertising, it is, hey, we are raising funds to keep guys out of the draft. We are paying them like they would go pro, but we want them to play for Michigan for one more year. 
that's that's the level that we've reached uh in this in this whole ecosystem which is which is just wild the deadline is january 16th so tomorrow is we're recording this and today as you're listening to this so we'll know very very soon what the actual truth is here and i'm yeah it's gonna be fascinating well well gentlemen uh, i feel i think my soul feels lighter I think mm. uh, I think our yes. proverbial shoulders as a pod just feel feel a little bit more free, a little loose now after those apologies. So uh, good to get that off my chest. I, I just feel I just feel like a better person. Yeah. That's right. Now, That's now, right. which patron saints of college football do we have to pray to 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 finish this process of you know confession and whatever <laughs> else? That that I don't know. If you have a suggestion, uh, please please send it Probably in. DM Rudy, us. Right? I think Rudy. Yeah, or like Tim Tebow or something. He was offside. Yeah. He was offside. <laughs> he was offside. Uh, Sorry, Notre Dame fans. Let us know if you've got a team that you just had a freezing cold take about. Um, feel free to, to feel free to, to confess that to us. Uh, if you would like that to be made public, great. If not, if if you wanted to keep it between us, we absolutely can do that. But we would invite invite you to get get right with uh, with college football as well. Um, head over to Three Tech Pod Instagram, Twitter, YouTube as well. Guys, uh, we'll continue this discussion long into the offseason. We've got so much content coming, videos, a big announcement that is coming sooner down down the pipe. I think we've got some decisions to make here, but uh, coming very, very soon. Let us know what you would like to see as far as content coming uh, for this offseason. We're going to be doing more on YouTube. We're going to be doing more on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, so make sure you're following us so you don't miss any of that. For Trey Reeves and Garrett Turney, I'm Mitch Mason. Thanks so much for hanging with us today. Until next time, so long, everybody.